this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. If you ever decide to set out on a Google Maps journey around North Korea, you'll notice a long white rectangle docked at the Mount Kumgang port. That's no super yacht or ship. It's the world's first floating hotel. Designed in Sweden, built in Singapore, opened in Australia, relocated to Vietnam, and then on to North Korea, the seven-story hotel has traveled around 9,000 miles within a decade. Back in the early 80s, a guy named Doug Tarka decided to bring tourists to Townsville, Australia, not far from the Great Barrier Reef. Tarka used to be a professional diver and wanted to find the best way to show the famous attraction to tourists without harming the reef in any way. Tarka first started giving tours of the reef in a catamaran with a glass bottom. Then, he decided to let them not just see the reef, but stay on it in cruise ships moored along the coast. That idea didn't work out since it was too impractical. A few months later, Tarka went even bigger. He set his sights on building the world's first floating hotel. He was thinking of how to bring the idea to life when a Swedish company contacted him. They specialized in floating dorms for oil rigs, and the two agreed that the same technology would be perfect for this future Flotel. Design, check. Next step, construction. That's where a company in Singapore came in. For a good $20 million, twice that by today's rate, they'd build the innovative hotel. But this is where the ambitious project ran into its first of many problems. Because of some contract issues, the delivery was delayed by over half a year. Unlike a cruise ship, the floating hotel couldn't move on its own. So when it was ready and all the hiccups were resolved, a large heavy lift ship towed it for its first 2,500 miles all the way down to Australia. By that time, word was already out. Now, there are all kinds of floating hotels across the world these days, but remember, we're talking about the 80s, man. This was the first of its kind and a revolutionary idea. So people immediately went crazy, booking rooms months in advance, and chains were eager to manage it. The Four Seasons ended up winning that bid, and thus, everything was ready for its arrival. By early 1988, the John Brewer Reef Floating Hotel finally reached Townsville. Six massive anchors were used to hold it in place. It was supposed to be one of those dreamlike destinations you'd put on your bucket list. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. 200 state-of-the-art bedrooms, a 100-seat theater, top-class restaurants with the freshest seafood, a helipad, library, game room, nightclub, gym, sauna, freshwater swimming pool, and a floating tennis court outside. And, of course, the main attraction would be observing the Great Barrier Reef. Guests would head down from their rooms for morning coffee in a panoramic elevator with views of the breathtaking spot. Then, they'd submerge deeper in a glass-bottomed submarine or jump straight from a platform for a casual swim in the middle of the ocean. Those who didn't fancy getting in the water could just hang out in the underwater viewing area inside the hotel. They could spend hours staring at colorful corals, giant clams, reef sharks, blue starfish, and countless other fascinating marine life. When that dream was just one step away, Mother Nature herself stepped in and put a halt to the opening. A tropical storm moving 60 miles per hour blasted through the area. It badly damaged the swimming pool, sank the underwater observatory, and ruined the guest shuttle boat. They managed to get things back to normal quickly enough. But this delay cost the owners millions. Winter would have been the perfect time to open a hotel for guests from the Northern Hemisphere craving some sun. In March 1988, the Flotel finally opened with 85% of its rooms taken. A price tag of up to $1,100 per bedroom a night didn't scare away enthusiastic divers. They also had to pay an extra $120 for a 90-minute shuttle boat ride to the hotel that was 40 miles off the shore. There was also a 20-minute helicopter ride alternative that cost twice as much. Even all that money wasn't enough to keep the hotel afloat for long. The owners had to spend tons of cash on keeping up with the environmental standards in the reef area. They couldn't use regular cheaper paint on the hull. All the waste was processed before getting dumped miles away from the reef. All the trash had to be taken to the mainland. They even had to start a lab for marine researchers to make sure the hotel didn't do any harm to seabirds. Still, all those efforts couldn't keep the reef thriving forever. A large part of it had been eaten up by starfish. Every now and then, bookings had to be canceled because of rough weather. The shuttle boats and helicopters couldn't take guests through storms. Those who made it to the hotel often complained it didn't meet their expectations. Some of them got seasick, and others just bored. Once guests were done with scuba diving and snorkeling, there wasn't much else to do on board. As one former staff member recalled, Even pizzas flown in by helicopter couldn't keep them happy and adequately entertained. That and the splendor didn't last long. Since the building was floating out in the middle of nowhere, your viewing options were the sea, more sea, and two more helpings of, yeah, the sea. In September 1988, when they thought things couldn't possibly get any worse, Some guests found 100,000 pieces of old ammunition while scuba diving two miles away from the hotel. 
nothing could really make up for that incident. Even when they slashed the price for a double room to $130 per night, the occupancy stayed under 25%. The hotel owners were losing money like crazy, so they decided to sell it to a Japanese company in 1989. The floater had hardly spent a year in Australia and moved to Ho Chi Minh City in the south of Vietnam. The country was going through a real tourist boom at that time, but lacked luxurious accommodations for foreign guests. When it arrived in Vietnam, after traveling 3,000 miles, it was renovated to look more local and got an updated name, the Saigon Floating Hotel. It became one of the most popular nightlife spots in the area. The new owners added new discos, and 400 highly trained staff members kept the rooms and facilities pristine and comfortable. The hotel remained everyone's favorite for over nine years. By 1997, more and more luxury hotels had popped up in the Ho Chi Minh area. Foreign companies also built new hotels that were just as cool and expensive looking. The Japanese owners of the floating hotel tried to keep up with the new competition for a couple more years, but alas, they gave up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It was sold to Hyundai Asan, a South Korean company doing investment projects in the north. The hotel went on a short sentimental trip to Singapore for renovations. From there, it moved to its new home in the Mount Kumgang tourist region in North Korea. Once again, it got a name change and became incredibly popular among both North and South Koreans. This was during a mutual tourism experiment between the two and many families even got to meet up there after years of not seeing each other. For eight years, the hotel was flourishing and became more popular than ones in the capital. After all, it was more modern and comfortable. Sure, it lost its swimming pool and tennis court, but a new gaming house made up for it. Things were finally looking good for the historic floating hotel until 2008. That's when one unfortunate incident ruined it all. All tours were immediately stopped. It's been sitting there unused and rusting ever since. The country now has plans to bring tourists back to the resort. Sadly, for probably the most unfortunate hotel in the world, it'll unlikely live through that renovation. It was dubbed poorly constructed, outdated, and with no national character. With its worn-off paint and silent empty rooms, the floating hotel, once a revolutionary idea with the whole world on the edge of its seat with anticipation, is now living its last days before it'll be taken down.